You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. As investors, we're always asking ourselves, how do we maximize our reward or maximize our return while minimizing risk? Now, in real estate, there's no clear-cut metric that tells you your risk to reward. And so what we're talking about today is measuring risk while also getting reward and comparing directly owning rental properties versus investing in passive investments. So I've got my co-host today, Lon Welsh, who is the founder of Yourcast Real Estate, has done thousands of transactions helping people buy and sell rentals and primary residences, and also is the founder of Ironton Capital, which is helping people invest passively in real estate. So Lon, you have a lot of personal experience for your own investing portfolio doing active investments and also doing passive investments. So you're the man to talk to when it comes to measuring risk and reward. Where do we start? Well, gosh, you know, I think there might be uh, several reasons why people will pick a passive investment for real estate as opposed to active investing. So uh, the, the one I hear by far is I, I've been teaching classes for 20 years on real estate investing. And when I ask people, why didn't you invest? It's usually I'm a busy professional. I've got kids who need to go to soccer practice and swim meets, or I just don't have the time to do this right now. Um, and that's probably going to be the majority of the people watching this podcast. So if that's you, Passive investing is probably going to be the more likely path to success. Um, another thing I see, and this is me, and I think to a certain extent, you, I've been an active investor for two decades, and like I don't feel like I have to prove to anybody I can win another war. I'm happy to let someone else do some of the work now. Um, particularly at this phase of the economic cycle, I can make as much money as a passive investor as I can as an active. So why do the extra work and have the extra risk? That's not always true. There'll be times in this real estate cycle where the active investor who really works hard will make more than the guy who's passive. This isn't one of those times, however. Um, later on in life, you may have more free time, but you just don't have the interest to be involved actively in investing anymore. You've got other passions, whatever those might be. That might be a reason why passive is a great fit for you. But really, I think the best reason is diversification. So you talked about that to kind of kick off our show today. So when you have a passive investment in a real estate fund, you can really achieve risk reduction in three important ways. So the first is geography. You know, For most of my investing career, all of my assets were here in the Denver market. I didn't have any exposure to any other markets anywhere else. So fortunately, Denver had an incredible run this entire time. So that paid off, but that you can't always be sure that that's going to be the case. The second way to diversify is asset class. So most of my investing career has been in multifamily or residential rental. More recently, I've gotten a little bit into office and warehouse. But there's other asset classes out there that you also might want to consider um, just to round out because each asset class has a different risk and reward profile, and they also behave differently through the economic cycle. So you can really drain out some risk while keeping the reward by having different asset classes. And the last part is strategy. So if you uh, want to just have a buy and hold and do nothing really to it because it was like in good condition when you bought it, that's a very good strategy. You might call that just like a core holding. Um, another way to do it would be a value-add project where maybe you buy a wrecked house or a wrecked apartment building, you renovate all the units, you redo the common areas, and you're able to raise the rents as a result of having a better product for your tenants. And then the cash flows go up by quite a lot. Um, the third strategy would be new development where you just do something completely from scratch. Um, I think the ideal investment portfolio would have a little bit of all those things just to kind of round out all the rough edges and kind of make things easier over time. Oh, uh, that's great. And 
Lon, I know we talk a lot about this just you know off camera, but your last 20 years of investing, you've done a lot of an active investing then, you know, I think four or five years ago, you started getting into passive investing. Can you kind of summarize the amount of uh, effort and some of the risk, but also compare the returns you achieved over the years for your personal portfolio? Yeah. So over the 20 years as an active investor, I've been over 20% per year. And you know, honestly, a lot of that is just, I was in the right place at the right time. I, I was fortunate that in 2009 and 10, I bought a lot of condos for 30 cents on the dollar that got back to their 2006 prices pretty quickly. And then they tripled in value again after that. Like, well, <laughs> I was really grateful to be part of all that. That was great. Uh, but more recently, what I've been finding in the last seven years in the Denver market is that my returns have been, it's been tough to even get to 20 because the prices have gone up so much. Even though we've had great rent appreciation, um, the prices have gone up even faster. So the returns for the investors have gone down. So I'm finding that I've had four investment funds before we did fund five, which we're working on right now. Uh, the first fund is tracking to be about a 20% annualized return, and it had all that diversification that we talked about just a minute ago. Uh, funds in two and three are in the 15 to 16% range. Fund four is probably going to be close to 20. That's going to be a really great fund. Um, we're targeting for fund five, which we're promoting now, to be in the 14 to 20% range. So probably 17 is where we'll wind up on that one. All right. So, and as you were saying earlier, in the current like economic cycle, you're seeing passive and directly owned rental real estate to be potentially similar returns, but one's a lot more work. The yeah. directly owned real estate's a lot more work, which we're going to talk about, but also from a risk standpoint, what are the risks people should be thinking about when looking at passive investing or directly owned rental properties as we're coming into a recession right now? So um, from a recession standpoint, maybe a way to illustrate that would be to take a look at what happened in 2007, 8, and 9. Um, I don't think there's any realistic case that the recession that we're probably going to have here in the next 18 to 24 months is not going to be anywhere close to as severe as it was then. But I was a landlord in 2006 through 2009, and it was a pretty rough time. So the biggest risk that you have as, as, a, as a landlord in that is that a uh, higher quality product than yours is going to be having a tough time getting tenants. So they'll reduce their rents and they'll take your tenants. Because if the tenant can pay the same rent as your place, but get a nicer place, they're going to leave. Yeah, of course. Um, so then it's, it becomes like a battle. It's like a knife fight trying to attract tenants. So the guy who has the less attractive property has to do a lot more of a, of a rent reduction. The guy with the deluxe property with all the features. So your vacancy will be a little higher. Your incentives will be a lot higher. You may not be able to compete unless you give up the security deposit. So like in 2008, $0 moves you in. We'll give you your first month free. So you'd, you'd move someone in who had no financial wherewithal whatsoever. And they would just take a free ride. And then, you know, a month goes by. Now they're supposed to pay. No, we're not going to pay. And they wreck the place on the way out. You have no recourse to them. So in an extremely bad situation, you have things like that. We won't have that in this upcoming recession. But I think it illustrates that um, active investing has its risks as well. Yeah, because I mean, if that happens, someone's dealing with it. And if you own the property, that's you. you. Uh, if you're a past investor, it's the operator or general partner dealing with it, and they're probably more experienced and better plan than you know the average retail investor does. Yeah, you just get the newsletter at the end of the quarter, and they talk about all this bad stuff. Like, wow, sounds like a tough time. Good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> let me read the five in executive summary. Um, so, as we talked about, there's no clear distinction on measuring risk and reward. But Lon, you had some great points on there, and that's what I really like about the passive investing. Because I own pretty much all my properties here in Denver. Uh, I know it. I like the market. I have faith in the market long term. But I'm very focused on a few asset classes, and I'm probably within a 25 mile radius of all my properties. I don't right. have any geographic diversity. Um, so, from a pure like portfolio perspective, 
it's not great diversification. Right. And that's why like where I'm putting some of my funds now is going to pass investing uh, to get that return, to get that reward, but also get some diversity to my portfolio because I'd rather diversify nationally in real estate than put more money into the S&P 500 for diversification. Yeah, good point. So if anyone's any questions on this, please re- reach out to me and Lon. We're always happy to talk about this. Uh, we have lots of more additional content and webinars on what Ironton Capital is doing to help people invest passively. So make sure you check the links in the show notes for all the details. We'd love to talk to you and help you maximize more of your investments while minimizing your risk. Have a great one. Thank you.